Hey, decuppers. Last week we said that this episode was going to be Cadet Kelly, but unfortunately we had an issue with our audio, and we'll have to get that episode out to you at a later date. So instead of Cadet Kelly, we will be releasing the first episode we ever recorded, Confessions of a Teenage Drama Queen. We recorded this episode as a practice way back in September of 2021, so if it sounds a little different, it's because we were still getting used to being podcasters. (laughs) But we hope you enjoy our very first attempt at a podcast. Okay, (laughs) this week, (laughs) Sabrina and I will be reviewing the 2004 Lindsay Lohan hit, question mark, (laughs) Confessions of a Teenage Drama Queen. When the always dramatic teen Lola and her family moved to the center of everything in New York City, to the center of a cultural wasteland in suburban New Jersey, she feels like her life is simply not worth living. But no matter who or what gets in the way... Lola won't give up on her life's ambition to be a star. That's good. Um, I looked up the Rotten Tomatoes score. This film has a score of 14%. Mm, with yes. an audience score, an audience score of 35%. Okay. Yeah. Sure. So the film was written by Gail Parent, who this is this actually like kind of blew my mind and it changed how i viewed the film so gail parent originally she has a lot of writing credits but these are the notable ones that i saw so she wrote for the mary tyler moore show for about one season it looked like she was a writer on the golden girls for three seasons and she is credited with 134 episodes of the carol burnett show what (laughs) yes and learning that, like I said, it changed the way I viewed at least the first half of this wait, film. Wait, wait, did you learn this before watching, rewatching so this I, movie or I, after? So I, I looked it up and I, it, like during it, I was kind of like, okay, I don't know, is this, is this funny or is it bad? And then I remembered <laughs> these credits and I'll, I'll get into it later, but it did like really help form my view. Also, she was also the co-writer of Cadet Kelly. Oh, I love Cadet Kelly. Another great I loved Disney. that movie so much. The film was directed by Sarah Sugarman. I could not find a lot about her, but she is Welsh. So, take that. Cool. Sick. <laughs> and it was based on a book by Diane Sheldon, published in 1999. Which I was very surprised by that. I was like, this is based <laughs> on a book. <laughs> not only that, there's a sequel book uh, called My Not-So-Perfect Life. So if you were wondering what happened to Lola after this film, you you have that option to find out. Was I? I don't, I don't know. <laughs> but good to know. Yes. So let's just, let's get into this. What was your memory from childhood? Like before you rewatched it, what do you kind of like remember of this film from when you were a kid? Okay. I have like three very distinct memories that make no sense together. Okay. Um, so <laughs> Lindsay Lohan's red hair with like the chunky blonde highlights. That's all I remember. 
That's actually, um, I have written down blonde Lindsay Lohan as well. So I have three things as well. So let's see if they okay. match. So Lindsay Lohan's hair, her going on a hunger strike. Um, I didn't remember that one. <laughs> I weirdly remember that because she was like hiding pizza under her bed. So, and that's all I remember. And then her blonde anxious friend, because I think I related to her. I did have neurotic blonde friend. Okay. <laughs> My third one was deception question mark. I just knew that it was blonde Lindsay Lohan, blonde anxious friend, and I think there were lies. But rewatching it, I I thought that there were going to be more lies. I was there really for a movie called Confessions of a Teenage Drama Queen, there were really only two confessions. This is true. This is true. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad you agree. <laughs> I mean, There's when you just, really sit down and think about it. <laughs> it was just, just that truth. her dad's not dead and that she stole the dress. Those are the only confessions that she made in the movie. Wow. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the title really um, says more than what actually happens, I think. Yeah, 100%. So let's let's hop into some discussion about this. I would love to just hear like your overview of how you felt about it real quick before we like really hop into it. What are your thoughts? Okay. So I I have to confess. Um <laughs> I I did see this movie a couple months ago just because I was bored and I wanted to watch something nostalgic. Do I remember much of it? No. But I did not realize how truly absurd the plot line was <laughs> until like, and I sat down and like, I watched it today and I really like, it took, it took me a second to like, be like, this actually happened. Like they thought this was a good movie to make. And a book but, to write. <laughs> and a book to write. Right. <laughs> right. Um, so I was just sitting there and I was like, these girls are in high school. They're 15. Mm. I, not yeah. to interrupt, but like when they said their age, I almost pooped. <laughs> no, I, I literally like I was like, first of all, and I know some girls in high school wear heels, but they're all wearing heels every day and like running in them constantly. Like, I don't that doesn't it, make sense. This to is me. 2004. It makes me wonder if there was like a bit of a gap there. Maybe, maybe I have some choice words on the fashion, which I know we'll get to, <laughs> we, we'll get to I later. Do as well. I do as well. <laughs> <laughs> that I felt very passionate about watching it this time. But there was just a lot in it that I was like, why all at once? Like, why did you make this all into one movie? And I, that's why I like, I'm really excited to talk to you about like the script analysis and the story because yeah. I'm interested to hear how you feel because I have some feelings. So my just just a quick like general how I felt about the film. I think that the first half of the film is a camp masterpiece. <laughs> and I think the second half of the film is a motorcycle crash into a pizza truck. It is horrendous the second yes. half the first half fun like i watched this two days ago i just i had time and i was very excited to watch it i watched it and having two nights to sleep on it has only like convinced me that the first half is a camp masterpiece 
I keep being reminded of things, but we'll we'll get into that later. I wanted to address how this film starts with the horrible CGI yes. tree flip. <laughs> yes, and the Did dancing. You Yes. How Lindsay Lohan, for those of you who did not rewatch the film, the movie starts with Lindsay Lohan and her mother having this conversation in a horrible British accent. I was just about to mention that. uh, I was like, it started out terribly. I have that written down in my negatives. Lindsay Lohan's British accent. And I don't understand why, because we know she can do a good one from the parent trap. Exactly. Um, That was confusing. But after that, Lindsay Lohan is so excited that she parkour runs up a tree and does a backflip, but she doesn't do it. And it's not a stunt double. It is horribly CGI. And the thing is that CGI and those like terrible graphics are continued throughout the rest of the movie. It's not just that scene. Like the dog has CGI legs at one point. Like, it's just bad. Wait, can you say that again? The dog. <laughs> the ha- dog has what? CGI legs at one point. Did you not Wait, see that? I didn't notice that. Yes. No, I didn't. No, it's at the party. He's supposed to be dancing. And so his little legs are CGI to move. <laughs> like it's dancing to the music. <laughs> I didn't see that. I missed so that part. Oh my goodness. Well, so I I wrote down, the first thing I wrote down was four minutes in, and this is already far too much for me. The dialogue that Lindsay Lohan has. Also, I don't know if you noticed this, but in the first scene where she is riding to school on her bike, Mm -hmm. did you notice all of the Razor scooters? There were at least seven. (laughs) I did not. I saw I saw like a pack. There were like three kids on razor scooters. I was like, oh my God, that's a lot. And then there was another shot with like five more. <laughs> there were so many razor I mean, scooters. Those things were the shit at that time. Like but those did were you ride them to high school? Did you ride them to high school? I mean, I was not in high school at the time. Okay. So I couldn't say, but if I could, I probably would have. Yeah. So this, I didn't realize what a star-studded cast this was. Because I saw Megan Fox. Megan Fox, pre-Transformers. This is like, like pre-Transformers. Feature film. Really? Yeah. This was her first feature? Yeah. It was her debut feature film. That is nuts. I like I saw her. Also, Megan Fox plays the uh, the mean girl and we know she's the mean girl because every time she enters the frame, we hear uh oh, uh oh, (laughs) (laughs) just to let us know what's up. (laughs) I appreciated that. (laughs) Um, Also, Carol Kane. Right. (laughs) Unrecognizable. Carol Kane. Insane. No, I literally, like, when I saw her name in the credits, I was like, wait. I was like, I don't remember her in this. Oscar nominee Carol Kane is in this? (laughs) And she's so crazy good. I think. I think. uh, (laughs) I mean, she is. She is. It's Carol Kane. But, like, she's just, she's unrecognizable. Also, did you recognize Casey from Life with Derek? Yes. 
Yes, I was like, where have I seen her? And then I looked her up and I was like, I, you're kidding. I, I recognized her immediately. I paused it and I was like, that's Casey from Life with Derek. She plays Megan Fox's like number two little like best friend. She maybe speaks once, but yeah. she has a lot yeah. of like little side eyes going on. Right. right. Um, yeah, that's just a crazy cast so before we get into more script analysis i did have a question for you i wanted to bring this question up so in this movie Lindsay lohan and her friend ella are obsessed with the band sid arthur Mm -hmm. and to the point where they are just very crazy they have the buttons they have everything so this film was made in 2004 fast forward 10 years later 2014 is when we were in high school so i wanted to ask you who do you think like if they made this film in 2014 who would be the Sid Arthur for, like, uh, us, you know? Uh, One Direction, probably. Do you think I thought My Chemical Romance? Really? Because, See, like, One I, Direction I'm... is too poppy. I feel like it needs to have, like, oh, some Oh, okay, grunge. so you were going by genre of music, not by genre... popularity of fans. I was saying genre and, like, how the fans, like, really feel about, like... They're very... See, I feel like One Direction had some crazy fans. Like, they did have some really fans. obsessive fans. But if you're if you're going for the more, like, grungy, like, I guess, off the beaten path, kind of... Like Lola. Like, who would yeah. Lola like in 2014? Maybe, like, Panic at the Disco? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I could see that. I mean, I'm still obsessed with Panic at the Disco, so... <laughs> um, <laughs> But yeah, I think probably that, if you're going for more of the grungy, I probably would have been Lola in that situation in high school. Or um, Ella. <laughs> yeah, I would probably be more of Ella, for sure. But that that is an interesting question. Because I was thinking about it, too. Sid Arthur in this movie, and this may be more of the script analysis, but I was like, it's interesting that they chose a band with like older members. And I get it. like. Mm-hmm. That, that's a thing. But I guess with the plot line, I was just like, why didn't they choose, like, someone younger or like more in her age range? Yeah, I I understand what you're saying there because there were several moments in this movie where I was afraid that yes. we were gonna get a very creepy moment yes exactly and they, we didn't and i'm very happy about that especially like when he was drunk which i would also like to talk about how they showed alcohol on disney channel right and also his like half the time he's on screen he's drunk he is drunk and like they and not just that it's like they acknowledge it they call right. him a drunk he says he's gotten sober at the end right like i could see it if they were like oh this guy's acting weird but we're not gonna say anything right but like right. it's a, it's a pivotal plot point that he is a drunk and so they must have said it like i didn't know if maybe they like cut lines out when they showed it but no i don't think they could have yeah I mean, it's like a pivotal character flaw for him. Yeah, I don't, I just, I've never seen anything with drinking shown on the Disney Channel. Right. Right. Well, this is not one of the, like. It's not a decom. Right. And I did look it up. This had a $15 million budget. (laughs) I also looked that up. $15 million. And it made $29 million back. Yeah. 
Crazy. Wild. Wild. I don't know much about budgets, but I hope to learn more by looking up these film Me budgets. Me too. <laughs> Me too. I, like, you say, I, like, we can say it had a $15 million budget, but I really don't know what that means. <laughs> <laughs> I think it was just more than I expected it to have, considering yeah. what... Ha- like what it created yeah. but then again i also have to think back like this is the early 2000s like yeah they didn't have a lot of stuff that like we have now and also a lot of a lot of those like graphics and like things were very popular then yeah and they're just like not not yeah. now you know yeah oh also i also want to make it clear for anybody listening we are aware that this is not a decom but it is a film that was shown so much on disney channel to where we thought it was a decom and we're shocked upon realizing that it was actually a theatrical release which apparently there have been a lot that were not actually decoms there are many and we will be reviewing them but we will not be putting them in the official rank that's unfair also, I wanted to before again before we hop into further analysis. I just want to bring up this moment in the audition where Lindsay Lohan is auditioning for Pygmalion. Mm-hmm. First of all, wh- okay, sure. And Carol Kane asks her to come up and like sing a song, and she has like a meltdown where she's <laughs> like, "I have not prepared, and a bad audition would ruin my career." You are telling me, Lola, that you you want to be a Broadway star and that you have this like, I'm sure this isn't the first thing she's done. She shows up to an audition with no materials. Well, that- OK, here's the thing. I mean, OK, we're also like two actors coming at this from the actor's perspective. But what blows my mind about this is that she's like. This is my whole career. And I'm like, girl, you're in high school. I know. <laughs> this is not your career. And you I know, think it's not end, even a recorded audition. <laughs> right. And I think at the very end, she even says, like, oh, my career has been launched. I'm like, you've done one lead in a high school musical, <laughs> uh, which I thought was so funny because she keeps mentioning her acting career throughout it. And then she has this moment where she's not prepared for an audition. No. I'm like, how do you think... You are going into this career. I don't quite understand. She gets on stage and she starts singing this Sid Arthur song, acapella. And it's clearly like the studio quality microphones, but we'll ignore that. We'll ignore that. Whatever. Um, (laughs) Carol Kane goes over to the piano and And somehow knows the song. (laughs) And you can tell she's... Carol Kane acting the hell out of this moment <laughs> starts like playing and she's acting like, oh, maybe these are the chords. Right. And then she's like, these are the chords. And then she's like, I know the whole song. <laughs> right. Like she somehow becomes like a Sid Arthur fan, and, like <laughs> knows all the chords. And then a band comes in the background. Yes. Like you hear like <laughs> drums and guitars like coming in. And I'm like, where, what is happening? And so I, I kind of wrote that off as like, oh, this is one of her like dream sequence kind of moments where like in her head, this is how it sounds. But like in real life, she's just singing acapella. But then, of course, like the Carol Kane on the piano, like acting as though like she knows it. I was like, wait, is this happening in reality in this movie or is it yeah. not? Yeah. It was um, just such a weird moment. 
So if you don't mind, I would really like to hop into what I mentioned earlier, how I think the first half of this film is a camp masterpiece. Yeah, go for it. I want to hear it all. So, okay. So I, I, like I said, I started watching this and I even, I wrote down, is this dialogue funny or is it bad? Like I couldn't tell. Yeah. And I, at that point, like I kept hearing things and I would see things and I was like, this is, this is bad. And then I remembered, it was a combination of two things. I remembered who the writer was. And I remembered the Carol Burnett show specifically. And I was mm-hmm. like, this is all intentional. This is camp. Right. This is this is hilarious. Like, these are very yeah. funny lines. And I think the scene that made me realize it was the funeral for Siddhartha. Yes. yes. I I realized at that point that this is all satire. And then I then I started thinking more, like, as I sat on this for a few days elements jumped out to me of how I was like, how did I miss that? With uh, specifically, Lola has a, I want to say it's a 10 by 15 foot poster. <laughs> I literally wrote one <laughs> fucking huge poster <laughs> in my it, notes. It takes up an entire wall, floor to ceiling, corner to door. <laughs> it takes up that entire wall and that if that if that is camp if that's not camp nothing but, is but also and maybe i'm wrong maybe i'm remembering this wrong i think the poster was in a different place at the beginning of the movie than it was in the <laughs> middle of the movie because <laughs> it was behind her bed at one point and i think at the beginning it was just on a side wall but maybe i'm well, wrong she, well they were moving in then so maybe she had okay like, moved her furniture around okay yet. so maybe she moved it but i yeah I was like wait <laughs> yeah on. but like that okay. moment there's a moment where ella has like a panic attack on lola's bed and it's yeah. very funny <laughs> and like like this actress playing ella was hilarious in that moment. Carol Kane, her just over the top performance. Yeah. It's I I just think it's all very intentional and it's yeah. very funny in the first half. To speak on that like all of Lola's lines are just so absurd. Yes. And I wrote this in, you know, things that I love about it is that they just really went in and they went so yes. hard on her being the most overdramatic human being. And the thing is, I, I've met people who speak like that. Yeah. And I'm like, oh no. Like I remember people in high school who would speak like that. And yeah, they just went to like the nth degree. And I was like, honestly, I kind of love it. Like I'm not yeah, well, upset you know, about it. She speaks like Veronica Lodge. Yes. <laughs> She like just the dialogue and like I think the reason why it has a 14% and the reason why I didn't know at first whether or not it was bad or if it was camp. I think it's because you don't expect that high brow of like riding the line of bad and camp comedy from a film like this from something that we see like we thought was a decom where like most of the dialogue usually actually is just bad like you don't expect much and so you hear this and it's riding that line so thin like such a thin line right there that you're like 
your first instinct is that, oh, it has to be bad writing. Mm-hmm. And and I will say, I think the, the, the second half of the movie is horrible and not yes. good writing. But the first half, it's two movies. I, I even wrote that down in like, in, at a certain part where I was like, this feels like two movies. Yeah. And the first half is a, is a beautiful, like just satirical, amazing, funny dialogue film. Yeah. And I, I think I realized I was like, okay, I can't take, especially the beginning, like you're saying, I can't take it so seriously. And this is the weirdest moment to realize this, but it's when they were driving into New Jersey and they see the sign and then you hear a cow they're in suburbia (laughs) you hear a cow and i I didn't hear that that was the moment that i was like okay they're just making fun of everything by now like this is ridiculous and so that's when i was like okay i need to not take this movie so seriously because i think that's the point is like everything is so dramatized because it's coming from lola's point of view yes it like absolutely and i i do think like the the Carol Burnett show writing credit yeah. is what really convinced me yeah. of that because that makes a lot like, of sense. Yeah, I think and Golden Girls, a lot of this dialogue could be said by Blanche. You right. know? Yeah. Like it is very it it's very Blanche. And like so I wrote down certain things that like I think reinforced this campy feel was like the funeral balloons when she lets go of them yes. and they just they fall to the ground. Right, and then just like metaphorically, Um, of course. Yes. (laughs) And when the boy is, which we will talk more on this boy later, but when that boy is introduced and we get just a tight shot on his butt. Ass, yes. Okay, Sam, when Sam gets introduced, I literally wrote down, I was like, his ass shot, incredible. (laughs) I said said the butt shot trademark. (laughs) I like that. That is one of the ones when her dad fake dies in that crash. He goes through the pizza truck and the pizza truck says 101 toppings on it. And then when he goes through, it changes to say 102 toppings. (laughs) (laughs) I thought that was so funny. Oh, my God. (laughs) It was so funny. Also, speaking of like the different shots, when when she's talking to her dad in the second half of the movie where like Ella's behind her and then it's kind of blurry and then it's like up close on her like there were multiple of those kind of shots throughout the movie that were just like slightly off or like when she was was... talking to the mean girl and it was like blurry behind them that was the only one I noticed the one with her dad and it made I couldn't tell if it was like just a weird shot or if it was like the actors were called on different days and there was some like CGI and going in. I couldn't tell what was happening and I I didn't care to look that hard. I think it was like, it was purposeful because there were multiple shots like that, that I noticed. And I was like, why did they choose to do it this way? Like, this is ridiculous. Like at the first, like the butt shot, I was like, this is hilarious. I was like, this is really good. And then there were more just like odd different like shots throughout it that I was like hold on (laughs) I was like why did they choose this like it was trying to make it like more dramatic I think yeah but then it just made it really weird and and Um, it was more in the second half of the movie yeah so it sounds like we're starting to transition to negatives before we do I would like to say (laughs) I would like to just point out three moments 
that made me laugh out loud. There were three okay. moments in this film where a laugh escaped my lips. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and, and it wasn't even a big chuckle. It was more of a, ha! <laughs> like, I did that three <laughs> times. The first was when Lola and Ella are walking down the street. They're trying to find the party, and they're all wet, and Lola's dad is, like, tailing them. But mm-hmm. Ella doesn't know it's her dad. And so she's like, there's this guy following me. And Lola says the line, like, don't be silly. The crime rate in New York is going down. Yes. (laughs) It's not like where? But that was, uh, it made me laugh. (laughs) I was like, that's very funny. The hardest, the hardest ha that came out of my body Mm -hmm. was the moment when they're in the precinct and Ella has just found out that Lola's dad is not dead. And she's like talking and Lola's kind of explaining her reasoning. And Ella looks at her and she says, so you killed your father. And she walks away. And after Ella says, so you killed your father. Yes. Stu Wolf's reaction. Stu Wolf, the, the leader of the band Sid Arthur that they have right. just saved from the rubbish. And they got arrested because he threw a donut. He threw a donut at a cop's head. That was another moment that I was like, camp. This is so yeah. funny. Right. They throw, right. He throws a donut at a cop's head. But he, so she says, you killed your father. His reaction was so funny. The I, look on his face. I <laughs> literally, I wrote that same thing down. I, I have to say, I love Stu Wolf's character. Yes. I love him as a character. He was um, very good. But anyway, what's your third? Oh, my line? last one was, this is the only thing I liked from the second half of the movie. Which I'll, I'll be more clear what I what I designate as the good part and the bad part. But yeah. this is the only part I liked from the end. And it is during Eliza Rocks. And it's when... It's the beginning of Eliza Rocks where Carol oh, Kane's character... Eliza Rocks is the high, like the high school yes. musical that they were putting on. Uh, yes, that they but- changed from Pygmalion <laughs> into a modern New York musical. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, which that's not in the book. I looked that up. <laughs> um, that's pretty much that. the only difference. They, <laughs> from what I've read, from what I looked up, it did stay pretty true to the book. But in the book, they do Pygmalion, not this. I think they just wanted Lindsay Lohan to sing. Right. But it's at the beginning and Carol Kane's character goes down into the orchestra pit and she acts like she's about to uh, conduct the orchestra. And she says, press your bars, children. Yes, and they're and then, all Macs. They're, they all have Macs, and they all just press the space bar. It's a whole Mac orchestra. Time. And she is, like, conducting and pointing at them to press the space bars. And I I just, I thought it was very funny, the line, press your bars, children. Yes. <laughs> no, I, I loved the, like, iconic, like, early 2000s, like, phrases or insults. Like, yes. Like, I think Megan Fox's character, she says, have you seen her glasses? They're so 10 minutes ago. (laughs) (laughs) I do do remember that. And then there was another one. I think within the same like minute, she says, oh, Ella never had a fella. (laughs) (laughs) And I died. I was like, these are so early 2000s and I love them. But one of my favorites is the very beginning. Mm -hmm. And it's where they're driving to New Jersey. and. Lola's mom drops the, you know, title and she goes, oh, stop being such a drama queen. 
<laughs> she and really she, does. She drops it, it so hard. She's like, "Don't be such a drama queen." <laughs> And it's so funny because I was like, that's so iconic for like early 2000s where they just drop the title so hard I, somewhere. I, I reckon I, that moment was like, it resonated as something that I recognized so hard from childhood because I think that moment and the moment where Lindsay Lohan says, I have a confession to make. Those two were always used in the ads when they were like, right. at seven o'clock tonight, teenage drama queen. And it's like, you saw those clips. Right. Yeah. I I just like when when I listened to that this time I was like wow they really <laughs> hit it so hard and it just made me laugh I was like wow they did not even try to make it normal or natural <laughs> at all <laughs> well th- so this is I think we should transition into negatives which I will say most of mine do have to do with the latter half of the movie. But okay. this is one from the beginning, and it does have to do with fashion. I would save it for fashion, but it's so bad I have to bring it up now. Okay. Um, in the very beginning of the movie, when they come to New Jersey and they get out of the car and they're looking at their house, Lindsay Lohan is wearing an I Heart New York shirt. And she is supposed to be a born and raised New Yorker. And she is wearing the symbol of tourism on her shirt. And it is, I, I, I think talking about it now, maybe it's supposed to play into the camp because it could do, it could be one of two things. Like it, it could do a duality where one kids not from New York will make it. They'll think like, oh, she just really loves New York. And then the adults watching would be like, that's funny, you know? Yeah. But the, I, I was like, no way. No way is she wearing an I Heart New York shirt. Did you also notice, okay, so she was wearing an I Heart New York shirt with fishnet over it. Yes. Um, and the fishnet was cut out around the heart. <laughs> yes. And I was just like, what is this? I have so much to say about the fashion and I got to hold myself back. (laughs) That leads into my critique of Lola's character as a whole, which is that Lola acts. Lola does not act like she was born and raised in New York. Lola acts like a 19 year old Midwesterner going to college in New York for the first time. Do you know what I mean? Like, if this was shot today, there would have been a a shot of Lola putting string lights on her fire escape and naming her plants. Yeah, for sure. And I think, I think it's one of those things. I think you described it perfectly. Like, someone who thinks they've lived in New York and like the way she says, like, I know my New York or like whatever. I'm like, shut up. (laughs) Like, she really, she acts like, like the person that New Yorkers hate. Exactly. Like you act like every like person New Yorkers would like spit on. <laughs> they would be like, yeah. shut up. Like it's, you are not it's a just, New Yorker. We all know we all like we know people who are like this. Like they go to New York and that's their vibe. It's just it's yeah. not I did not believe that she was born and raised in the city. Yeah, it's because she made New York her identity. And like, I get like New Yorkers are like, I'm a New Yorker and that's, you know, a part of them. But like, she she takes it to an extreme. Like, I know everything and this is my world. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Just like no, over dramatic. Sure. 
Yeah, I feel like it would be a sin if we did not discuss the show within a show here. Eliza Rocks. More specifically, that Lola is a terrible actress. And not, not, uh, Lindsay Lohan is not a terrible actress. Lola, and I feel like this was a choice made by someone, but Lola is a terrible actress. (laughs) Also, another bad accent. Yes! Horrible! It just, it it was bad. (laughs) It was so bad. The first line where she's like, yo, you can't talk to me like that, or like whatever the line is, I was like, what is going on? Like, why? And not just the accent, but every scene. She is very bad. She looks directly into the audience. (laughs) Like, Lola, for somebody who made their entire life, I want to be a famous actress on Broadway, and how much she hypes up herself, and how well she sings, and how well she dances, we get to the part where we're like, certainly she's a triple threat, and she is a stinker. (laughs) (laughs) i'll say it i'll say it right now she's a stinker (laughs) what a way of perfectly phrasing it (laughs) your thoughts on eliza rocks the musical terrible i mean it's garbage to be honest um but like what really got me what really, really got me is the very final number that had nothing to do with the show nothing whatsoever. To do with it. And at first, at, at first, when it didn't show that they were still technically in the show, I was like, oh, maybe this is just like an end credits thing. Cause I I forgot that it happened. I was like, oh, maybe this is just like an end credits thing where they wanted to give her an extra song. And then the teacher was still conducting and I was like, hold on, where does this fit in the storyline of this show? Like, uh, this doesn't make sense. Also, I've what read were the Pygmalion. Ba- <laughs> That's <Right>. not. <laughs> also, what were the background dancers wearing? They were wearing like blue mohawks or like, like all blue. It was so no bad. No idea. No idea. Also, I, I guess, I guess Eliza's the only character that sings in the whole show. I would um, also like to address the cast party. And how, I I don't know, Sabrina, what high school cast parties were like for you. Not that. For for me, no. I think it it was so hilariously inaccurate how it was almost like a homecoming dance for them. Okay. The thing that sticks out in my mind about this cast party, and I need to say this, is the hot dog cart that they focus on Carla getting a hot dog and literally her two friends are just watching her make this hot dog so intently. And then she goes and like opens the door to Stu Wolf. And then when she goes to like bring him inside, the hot dog disappears. <laughs> just I missed not, that. Not in her hands anymore. It. And I was like, this is just so funny because they made <laughs> such a moment of her making the hot dog and then it's just gone. <laughs> She was so shocked, she dropped her dog. (laughs) Right. And I was like, were they trying to show, like, a pretty girl eating a hot dog? Like, I don't understand, like, what the point of this was. (laughs) Pretty people eat hot dogs, too. They're just like us. I was like, what is this trying to show? Like, I don't get it. But it was such an intentional moment. For me, uh, a high school cast party was... 
whoever's family had the nicest house, that is yeah. where you went, which they got that. Check yeah. mark on that. If we're going down the checklist, richest person's house, that's where you have the cast party. But like, we would be lucky if there was a pizza. There might have been a pizza. There might be some chips. And everybody just kind of wore their regular clothes. No one dressed up. There was usually like a teenager in old age makeup at the cast right. party. And uh, you would just sit and talk and like sit and talk and, you know, maybe play some truth or dare. I think like the craziest was like somebody ate cheese out of another guy's belly button. Right. And I think one girl licked our director's elbow. But that wow. was that was it. That was it. There was time. no like homecoming dresses or anything. It was all very lame. If you had a crush on a boy, maybe you would steal their hat and wear it for a little bit. I don't know. But that's like, iconic. <laughs> <laughs> that and I, i'm sorry i can't get past that <laughs> um because that's so true with the amount it's of a universal experience our cast parties were not even parties we would go to like ihop and be delinquents at ihop in whatever theater makeup we had we um, did that too we did yeah. that too but there was usually it was only for the fall show we would have cast parties at somebody's house like the play but everything else was go to IHOP and act like complete hooligans. Right, right. See that's what normally we did. Yeah, like we would hang our phones from the ceiling. We acted like we owned the place. <laughs> yeah, we would like like get the back room and we would act like we were in a private event as if we were cool or something. And it was it was tragic. The IHOP in Kanawha City had outlets on the ceiling. That was the only outlets in the place. So we would climb onto the booth seats and plug our phones into the ceiling and hang them. Well, we can say that in this movie, they did not have to do that. <laughs> they, <laughs> they, were not, they were not plagued with a lack of outlets um, no. in that house. Because it was gorgeous, and they were all dressed to the 11s. <laughs> <laughs> to the 12s! <laughs> yeah. And then the fountain in the middle of her living room, <laughs> like, what was that, that she falls into, like, I just... I know, but, and now we're getting to my biggest gripe with this film, and what okay. kind of ruins the film. Okay. Um, the ending with Sam. I have a whole thing to say about Sam. <laughs> I I do as well. Earlier about Sam, I wrote like he appeared at, in the first in the butt shot, right. and then he was the there shot. later. Yeah, he was there later, and I wrote down this boy. Why? Who? <laughs> yeah, we don't need him. Right. Exactly. <laughs> and then at the end, I said the ending. Sam, are you kidding? He wasn't in the movie. <laughs> Well, because he wasn't in the movie. Here's the thing. I have a list of things I don't like. Sam existing. And that that is just the yes. truth. He didn't need Every, to be there at all. He did. The only thing that he did that advanced the plot was steal that dress. And Ella could have stolen the dress. And I think that it deprived us of a very funny moment for that actress to have a panic attack while trying to steal the dress. I agree. And the thing is, he showed up in like random points, made no sense, like weren't needed at all. And then at the end, when she's like dancing with Stu and then it turns into Sam, I'm like, this is weird. Like he and just shows like, up out of nowhere. Gave him a chance like you've all been waiting for. No one was waiting for that. 
I was not focused on that whatsoever. No, Sam, Sam is like Sleeping Beauty from the movie Sleeping Beauty. In that, that, in that, he is barely in the film. Yeah, that, that this is, is true. He's his character was unnecessary. We didn't need a love story and they didn't foster a love story. If they right. wanted to add a love story, then do it. But he maybe had three minutes of screen time total. If they really wanted him to be a part of the love story, he would have gone with them to that concert and yes. like helped out and like figured all the shit they were going throughout, like with a scalper and stuff like that. Yes. Like he would have been a part of that if they really wanted to make this a love story, but they didn't. <laughs> It was as if they wrote a full-fledged story arc for this guy. And then they filmed everything. And they were like, we have to cut this movie down for time. Cut all of his scenes. And so they went back and they cut all his scenes. And then they were like, oh, we had him steal the dress. And we can't cut that because it's important. And we already filmed it. Let's add in two other scenes to justify him being here. Yeah, absolutely. And yeah. So our producer has just informed us that according to the author of the book, Sam is a Libra. <laughs> yes. <laughs> couldn't have couldn't tell from the film because like I said, he has three minutes of screen time. Literally, he's so unnecessary. And okay, so speaking of how there was no romantic plot line they already had like six other plot lines going <laughs> and so they couldn't fit his in and that was another one of the things that i didn't like i was like so much going on for no reason they didn't need the whole high school musical eliza rocks thing they didn't need that honestly i think i mean they didn't need the whole like changing it to a musical and doing that they could have yeah. had the whole like cast list thing and done that and done like the whole show without having to do the whole big musical number thing. Well, which they had I, to sell the movie with Lindsay Lohan singing. Yeah, which I agree. I think, it, which Disney does best, which, is make all of their actors sing. So, Josh, producer, could you do a little fact check for us and look up real quick, had Lindsay Lohan released an album at this point? Was this, I want to know if this was is what, like, she used to launch her singing career or if she already had it and she was trying to boost a singing career because i don't think she would have sang in any of the other movies before this because this is pre-mean girls right and it's i think it's also pre-herbie oh so God, i forgot about herbie <laughs> yeah mm, that's right oh. she does sing in freaky friday now i do have to say her song that girl at the very end threw me back to seeing this movie for the very first time and like i know like music is the first thing that makes me the most nostalgic and it can mm -hmm. throw me back to any place but that song specifically i literally was like i was pushed back in my seat i was like oh my god this song is, is deep inside my brain and it oh was insane and so i guess like that's another childhood memory that i didn't even know i had is that song that's um, great. But like we were talking about the storylines are just insane. I think I think if they yeah. went more on the chasing the um band, I yeah, it would have been better focusing on that 
then also having the whole high school drama thing going on. Because See, I, I, I think I had enough with Carla yes. going on with the band thing that I yeah. didn't think they needed to add all of the stuff in the back on the high school. Yeah. Now I did like I did like that it gave us that moment where Ella gets to tell Lola like Carla wins at everything. This is the one thing that she can't take from you. I liked that moment. Yeah. Yeah. The only reason I'm making faces as you talk is because I don't think there's a way to save the end of this movie. <laughs> and I don't mean to be like super harsh. This is all like in like lighthearted jest, of course. <laughs> all in jest. All in jest, except for the the Sam plot line that yeah, that is ridiculous. Go. <laughs> it was it's like I I have strong hard feelings about that. I think it ruined the movie. But for me, like I said, it it felt like two movies, and I think the point where it stopped being the amazing campy film that it was was I think after the little dance sequence in Stu Wolf's room where they go to change. I think that's when it flipped for me and it stopped being like, we stopped seeing these really funny moments and this like almost like it's, it's, it felt like the movie stopped being self-aware. It stopped or it started taking itself too seriously. Yes. And I think that really like ruined it. I think Stu Wolf showing up and looking like a clown. (laughs) And then, and then her dancing with Sam and just all of Eliza rocks. Like it just, it's, it started to feel like a bad movie. And I think that's honestly like where a lot of the bad reviews come from, at least from my perspective and from people who don't expect who like mistook the the intentional overdramaticness for bad writing. Here's one thing that I thought of and this may be going into script analysis, which I think we're going to talk about next, is I didn't like that, like, Lola was the lead because she seems like a bad role model for, like, the young people who are supposed to be watching this. Yes. And it was just one of those things where, like, the ending of her just, like, helping Carla up and then her getting the guy, I was like, that's not enough. Like, that, she did some really shitty things. And, yeah, like, all she does is, like, lend a helping hand and then yeah, she well, gets everything that she wants i have this in my fun facts but in the novel Stu does not return at the end to return lola's necklace it that doesn't happen the show happens lola performs in it right but she ends up with the reputation of a liar throughout the school Good, because they they all was. find out that they all find out that her dad isn't dead and so yeah. it doesn't have that like wrap up and i'm sure it goes into it in the sequel novel probably but they i can see why you know disney didn't want that harsh ending but i agree with you lola really isn't a good role model for younger kids and i think it would have been fine if it wasn't marketed towards younger kids yeah like when i was looking up like the actors i saw there was one where it's like the age demographic was like eight to 13 and i was Mm. like which Ooh. was Lindsay Lohan's fan base at the time. Right. And but... I was like, and these young girls are watching it and she's making very poor decisions constantly. And she's she, like, that character is not learning from them. Like yeah. she's still getting what she wants. Like, and that's why I liked Ella's characters because she had an arc and mm-hmm. she had some development. 
where Lola's character had little to no character development. Like, she just got what she wanted. Like, she had some, like, hiccups with, like, Ella, where she almost lost her friend, but she didn't. Mm -hmm. And it's, like, it's one of those things where I'm, like, is this really what you want to be showing young people and saying, yeah, you can lie about your dad's death and everything will be fine. Like, no one will hold that against you. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I feel like they tried to do it, but I don't think it really landed. Also, this is something I wanted. I didn't understand why she confessed to stealing the dress. That didn't didn't make sense to me. It didn't make any sense. Like, that whole big climactic moment, the part that they show in all the ads, Lindsay Lohan saying, I have a confession to make. I stole Eliza's dress. And then nobody believes her. What? I don't, I didn't feel like there was anything to, like, push her to make that confession. There wasn't. It was, like, and honestly, like, watching it now, I was like, why? She could have gotten away with that and nothing would have happened. Like, unless, like, and here's the thing. If the drama teacher had brought it out and it was like ruined or something, you know, then yes, okay, then she would have had to confess. But it was just like the awkward, like dramatic, like I need to confess this for literally no reason. Yeah, I feel like the ending was just very rushed. Mm -hmm. Like post that scene in Stu's bedroom, everything, which is what I consider the second half of the movie that I don't like very much. I feel like that's where we were supposed to get all of this. Uh, character growth for Lola and it was all just very rushed and we didn't get it and it it ended up being not very good and I don't even think like I don't remember really liking this movie a lot as a kid like I didn't not like it but I remember if it would if I saw it was on I always kind of wish something else was on yeah yeah I don't remember like really loving this movie I kind of just remember like watching it because it was on but I think with like the rushing of the end, I think it's just like we didn't get to see her moral compass ever. Yes. Yeah. Um, and we saw a lot of that with Ella, but mm-hmm. we saw none of that with Lola. And so I think that's why the end just like doesn't make sense. Yeah. We didn't yeah, see her struggle with sure. it. Yes. Yeah. I would have liked to have seen some struggle too. Yeah. Yeah. And I, uh, think, yeah. I think you kind of like there's one moment where when Ella's having her like panic attack and towards the end, like Lola says something and she's like, well, like, you know, things could go wrong or like something like that, where you could tell like she starts worried, but then it like immediately she pops back and she's like, we have to do this. Like nothing's wrong. Everything's fine. Yeah. And I was like, we didn't get to see her like worry about anything or like feel guilty or anything like that. Yeah. So let's go into fashion because I have some very choice words on. Yes the fashion in this movie first thing what time period are we in (laughs) because they had 70s 60s 20s like and it was it was all like 2000s versions of it but it was so weird and i was like where are they going like none of these characters except i think for the mean girls had a specific style And that was so weird to me. I would like to ask the question. Are we supposed to believe that Lola is fashionable? Is that something? Because I I wrote down some of the outfits that she wore that I would like to present to the class. Okay. 
Just a few. I'm, I'm sure that you wrote down some others, but I wanted to highlight these specifically. On her first day of school, Lola is dressed like a fortune teller. Yes. That is her outfit. She is dressed like a fortune teller. At another point in the in the movie, Lola is dressed wearing like a Knicks basketball jersey that she has bling and grungified. But it is a Knicks basketball jersey. So oh, I guess to reinforce. Hat. Yes. But it's still a basketball jersey. <laughs> With and giant then, jeans. Like giant yes, pants. Huge. And then she is just dressed like a cowboy. There's that, a scene where Lola is a cowboy. That I literally wrote in all caps. Cowboy hat with a giant belt buckle? Help. <laughs> Help. That's how I felt. And yeah, I have some very specific pieces or like articles um, that they wore that I had to write down. Please share with the class. So there were some that I loved. And then there were some that I was like, what? the hell so first speaking on her first day of school she wore a fortune teller outfit and the day before that she wore the i heart new york shirt with the fishnet and black like cargo pants very like kind of punky goth looking and then she wore this nude like flowy kind of 70s looking fortune teller outfit her style all over the place made no sense none there was no and, consistency but i do have to say the dream sequence at the very beginning where she does the stupid backflip in cgi <laughs> <laughs> the black i'm like, familiar yes <laughs> <laughs> the black audrey hepburn kind of dress loved that Yes. Loved it. Loved that look. I also loved the grieving of Siddhartha outfit that she wore, kind of like the black parade looking. Yeah. I would wear that shit right now. <laughs> that is a <laughs> And you would look outfit. so good in it. <laughs> it was so cool. Now, I do have to say, this is like quintessential, like early 2000s, was the mean girls wearing the plaid fedoras <laughs> with the matching yes! mini skirts. <laughs> And I think that's more of what I was expecting from like an early 2000s movie, especially high school. Yeah. But then there was just so many absurd costume choices. Also, they did Miss Bogoli dirty. Her, her <laughs> did hair. She wear, did she wear the same outfit the whole movie? I think it was just different patterns. Yeah. Okay. I think it was the same thing. Her hair? Patterns. Yes. Her hair was Miss the first thing. I... She could not. It they was, were like, we, ca- we have to disguise the fact that you are Carol Kane. And this right. is all we can do. And it was just like so tragic. I was like, the it plaid was. with the polka dots underneath and then her hair. Just, it made me cringe. Like physically cringe <laughs> looking at her. But it like fit her character. So I get yeah. it. But I was like, you did her so dirty with these costumes. They were so bad. But you know what? I think that just is a testament to how great Carol Kane is, which we don't need to spend more time, but I feel like we haven't talked enough about how good Carol Kane is in this movie. So just know that we're aware how good she is. (laughs) Just a great character actor. Like, great character actor in this movie. Um, There was a moment that I wanted to bring up in this section where there's a line in the beginning and it's Megan Fox's line where she's talking about Ella and she makes the comment that Ella dresses like a politician's wife 
And in the very next scene that we see Megan Fox, she is dressed like AOC. She is dressed like a politician's wife. Yeah. Like she is, she has a blazer and the little like pencil skirt. She is literally dressed the way she roasted Ella. And I just, I've thought that that was messed up and careless. I I agree. Like, can I disagree with that statement that she made? No, because she was uh, <laughs> dressed like a politician's wife, but also she was dressed like any like lesbian wearing a suit on a red carpet. Yes. She, and I loved it. I love that look. I do. I gotta say it. Now, the like poop brown color it was, was not ideal <laughs> with like the pink underneath or whatever the color mm-hmm. was. That was not ideal. But like, I feel like she could have pulled it off if she just like styled it a little bit. Yeah. Um, like Ella's outfits for the most part were very subdued compared to everything else. I I really didn't notice them. I like I have no notes on them because it just never stood out to me. The one I, I do have notes on though is the thigh high converse that Ella yes. puts on in that scene in Stew Wolves, which ahead of its time because not this time, but like 2012 is the time that I'm speaking that right. it was ahead of. Because right. I feel like they were very popular in specifically 2011, 2012, and now they're out of fashion. But and those thigh-high converse. But the thing with that, I agree, ahead of its time. But also, <laughs> they're supposed to be wearing Stubble's clothing. <laughs> and they are fitted to these high school girls. I know. Like, they didn't even try. <laughs> no, not at all. Also, did you, sorry, we're talking about this scene. I gotta find my note on it. There, did you read the neon sign that was yes. in his room? Yes, but what it, it says um, in the organization. Here, I have is, it. Um, it says, organization does not belong to the spirit. <laughs> An excellent set dressing piece. <laughs> Whoever was, dressed that set, I, I know like, that they were proud of themselves. I know they were proud of themselves. And it's such a large neon sign. Like everything- It's perfect. It's all room decorations in this movie are oversized by 15. (laughs) And it's, and it's intentional and beautiful. That, that neon sign is the mark of where the good part of the movie ends. That is the button. (laughs) That's the button on the movie. But anyway, sorry, back to fashion. (laughs) Yes. Yes. uh, Eliza's dress, the red dress. Yes. I think that it is among... Like, if you have flashbacks of certain iconic looks from Disney Channel movies and Mm -hmm. movies that were shown on Disney Channel a lot, I think that that Eliza Rock's red dress is amongst those in my head as, like, very iconic. Yeah, I completely agree. Was that also in the previews? It had to have been, yes. I'm pretty sure I have a memory of that. Like, where it was just, like... She's walking down the steps. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, which is probably also why it stands out is because you saw it in the preview so many times. Yeah, too. probably. So should we go into where are they now for some I of would these love actors? To. I would okay. love that. I would love nothing more. So I've chosen three of these actors. I did not choose Lindsay Lohan. We're going to be doing her on another episode. But I did decide to do uh, Megan Fox because I feel like she deserved it. So as we all know, Jennifer's body, Transformers. She did a stint in my favorite TV show, New Girl. She's she's had a career. 
She's also dating Machine Gun Kelly right now, which is weird, but is a thing. But as of right now, she's going to be starring in a dramedy called Big Gold Brick alongside Oscar Isaac Ooh. and Lucy Hale. So that's going to be coming huh. out this year. Can um, I say something about yes. Megan Fox? Yes. <laughs> I don't think I've ever voiced this before. Oh, this is exclusive. <laughs> I am very afraid of Megan Fox. <laughs> Honestly, I get it. <laughs> I and not not like Transformers, Jennifer's Bodies, Megan Fox. I am afraid of modern day today Megan Fox. Okay. Because I feel that she has powers beyond this world. And I can't explain it, but I think that she could destroy my life with a blink of her eyes. So here's the thing. I completely agree with you. And the reason being is, okay, so I mentioned she's dating Machine Gun Kelly, if nobody knows this. And every time she's pictured with him on the red carpet, it looks like she is sucking the soul out of him and gaining power from it. And I love that about it like i, I love, love every it. picture on her on the red carpet with them because she looks like she has taken over his entire soul and i think that's sick yes and i, I don't want l- listeners don't get it twisted when i say i am i i i have a fear of megan fox it is founded in reverence <laughs> like I, I i i have respect for her so much megan if you're listening um i, I from need one you to megan know to another from what from one megan to another i respect you and and i'm terrified of what you can do i just i know that she is a magical being next allison pill who played ella is she She's been acting since she was little, Canadian actress. She's had a good career. And she's recently been in American Horror Story Cult, where she was like one of like the lead actors. And she played Dick Cheney's daughter in the Oscar-nominated film Vice. Oh, wow. Which I did not know. I have not seen that movie. I haven't either. I need you. Yeah. And then she's currently playing Dr. Agnes... Girardi? I'm probably butchering that. In CBS's All Access, Star Trek Picard. Huh. I did recognize her from Scott Pilgrim versus the yeah. World. Yeah. That is probably after this. Like, that one's the first movie I think of. And then it's Confessions of a Teenage Drama Queen that I remember her from. See, I I didn't make that connection at first. And then I did. So, like, I think Confessions of a Teenage Drama Queen first just because she looks more like herself there. Yeah, that makes sense. And then Scott Pilgrim. But yeah. But she's had a good long career. She's She's very talented. She is. And then the last person I did was Adam Garcia, who played Stu Wolf. Not Sam? You didn't deep dive on Sam, the star of the film? The romantic (laughs) lead? I said, fuck you. (laughs) Not to the actor. You did your job. But like, (laughs) we are not in the business of shitting on child actors. No, but I thought Stu Wolf deserved a moment here. So Adam Garcia, he actually did a lot of live theater. He's a trained tap dancer. And he was in the West End performance of Wicked with Adina Menzel (gasps) in the early 2000s, which is crazy. Who did did he play? He played Fiero. 
<gasps> played opposite Adina Menzel. Stu Wolf was Fierro. Isn't that wild? Oh my um, god! And he's been on a lot of. Uh, he's Australian, actually. He's been on a lot of reality dance shows over the years. <laughs> Uh-huh. <laughs> Which is not what I was expecting either. But his latest role, have you seen Afterlife of the Party, the new Victoria Justice show, I think? Can't say I have. Okay. I I only saw it as a preview on Netflix, I think, the other day, and it looked interesting. I'm going to leave it at that. And he apparently plays the father of Victoria Justice's character hmm. in this. So that's his latest role. But it looked like in the recent past he's done a few movies but it's mainly been reality dance tv well booked and busy god bless yeah you know living your life getting that's jobs that's crazy yeah. well i have some i have uh just two fun facts it's hard to find some fun facts on these sometimes and one of them's not a fun fact it's an observation i had so <laughs> on the poster for this movie it is several pictures of Lindsay Lohan making different faces in different costumes. It's like Brandy and, Bunch style, right? Yes. Yes, absolutely. Okay. Very good reference. Um, <laughs> and in the poster, Lindsay Lohan has bangs. Like straight across the forehead, oh. bangs. And not once in this <laughs> film do we see Lola with bangs. Now, Lola has some little side bangs. But yeah. the poster specifically features bangs across. And throughout the movie, we are constantly aware of Lindsay Lohan's forehead. There's not a moment where we're not. Yes. And so I just want to know what the disconnect there was. If someone at Disney could reach out to me, maybe we'll give an update on a later pod. But I just want to know <laughs> what that was about. And my favorite fun fact that I found, the role of Lola was originally offered to, do you have any guesses? My first thought was Hillary Duff. It is Hillary Duff. I knew it! <laughs> I knew it! I was such a big Hillary Duff fan as a child. I knew oh. everything that woman was doing. She was I my first her. concert. I was obsessed. I, I meant to look into this, but I know there was a huge Hillary Duff-Lindsay Lohan feud for many years. I believe there was, yeah. There was. Um, we'll have to look more into that at a later date. The reason I guessed Hilary Duff is because she was also a singer. And yes. so I figured they would also put her in something like this. Also, she she fits the bill. She could have yeah. done that. I, I um, do want to, I want us to just take a moment right now and just imagine what this movie would have been like with Hilary Duff as Lola. Like, what do we think that movie would be? I think I think it would be weird to see Hillary Duff as edgy as they made Lola in certain points. Yes, especially with how worked. how like goody goody Lizzie McGuire is. And but I think she could have done it. I think I would have loved to see her do it to like see her range because I know she has it. Um, I wonder if that's why Lindsay Lohan has bangs on the poster because the bangs that she has are the classic Hillary Duff bangs. You know how Hillary Duff had the same haircut in every movie for seven years? Yes. It's that haircut. They were trying to make her look like Hillary Duff. Yikes. <laughs> <laughs> Did we just do something? Disney disregard my former Disney disregard my former request. I I know what you did. <laughs> <laughs> we figured it out. 
I, I wonder honestly, if that I wonder if they that made her mad because they did have the feud. I think the feud was over a boy. But so. we do need to look that up. But I think they were also kind of running on the same track at the same they time. Were. They were coming up at the same time. Hillary Duff originally was offered the role. I guess she turned it down. Maybe she had schedule conflicts, but yeah, Lindsay Lohan took it. That could have been um, a completely different movie. It, yeah. So and I don't know if it would be good or bad. <laughs> I don't know either. I have no clue. I, and you know what I think? I think the first half would have been great and the second half would have been a clunker. Right. That's the writing. <laughs> yes. Which is a great segue into us kind of wrapping this up. I, I personally am very glad that we don't have to rank this movie yeah. because I, it's two different movies for me. I don't yeah. know where I would have put it. I guess I have some questions, I think, just to, to ask for us to discuss, but for all you out there listening to really ponder, does this movie deserve a 14%? 14%. Do you think, I, do, I think that's harsh. I don't I, think it deserves a 14 I okay. I don't think it deserves a fourteen. I don't think it deserves much more, <laughs> and that sounds bad. Do you think thirty-five was generous? The audience score because I could settle on thirty-five. No, I I think I agree with that. I I think it's definitely under fifty. I could go forty, forty, forty-three. No, forty, forty. I'll do forty, forty <laughs> percent. That See, ending really ruined it. But the and- that. All 40 of those percentages are solely for the first half of the movie. See, that's the thing for me. It's like the ending just completely like ruined the rest of the movie. And the ending is so important because that's the whole, it's the whole crux of like everything. And that was the other question I was going to ask is, do you think the ending ruins the entire film? I mean, I agree with you. I think it's two different movies. I think the beginning is great. I think they just either cut it off after like <laughs> or like roll just, credits after the <laughs> stew wolf dancing in his bedroom scene right or just like cut a little bit of the scenes from the end into that and like made it work but i do think it was just kind of for an hour and 30 minutes of a movie th- th- the ending didn't help anything <laughs> yeah like they could have cut off probably 30 minutes of that movie and it probably would have been better in my opinion do we think that this is Lindsay Lohan's best work? No. <laughs> <laughs> our, our producer is shaking his head with a look of disgust. I don't even think he watched the movie. Um, <laughs> he just knows. He, he didn't. He didn't. Is this her worst work? I don't think so. I would say probably not. Granted, like, I haven't seen a lot of Lindsay Lohan movies recently to like... Yeah have a knowledge of her acting skills from before because she hasn't had many hits since herbie i I don't think like her prime her prime acting years were the parent trap to herbie yeah i don't remember Uh, herbie very well if i'm gonna be quite honest i liked herbie a lot maybe we could do herbie sometime Maybe we could watch her be a When we run out of, when we run out. I don't know if I would say it's her worst work, but that's also because I don't have much of a knowledge of her other work or like a recollection of her other work that I can call upon. I can't tell if she does the campiness well in the beginning or if the script does all the heavy lifting. I can't tell. I can't tell if this is a good performance from her. I don't know. That's honestly valid. I... 
I really, it's, it's like that episode of Community where they're like, is Nicolas Cage a good actor? Is Lindsay Lohan good in Confessions of a Teenage Drama Queen? I, I don't know. I don't know. That's the question of the century, everyone. <laughs> is Lilo good in Confessions of a Teenage Drama Queen? <laughs> the world may never know. But overall, and that's I, where we leave this. Is overall, with that question. did you enjoy? Did you enjoy watching the movie? I, th- I think take I a did. longer pause. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, I. I think like you, I I like the first half of the movie. I was like into it, and then the ending just like took me out of it. Uh, I I I liked it for the nostalgia, um, yes. and I also liked it. I liked looking back on it and being like, "What? <laughs> like this? Yeah, was acceptable." And I guess I don't. <laughs> well, I'm thinking of the fashion. Yeah, <laughs> but like, and that's the Gandhi one of my scene. favorite things about right but that's my favorite thing about going back and like watching these movies is i'm a super nostalgic person so they bring back like you know good like fun feelings but then as an adult i'm like ooh, this is interesting to see now in this day and age and so i think watching it from that perspective made it more fun yeah definitely and i liked that i now know the plot of this movie i love i love i've talked about it a lot but i really did genuinely love the comedy in the first like 70 minutes of the movie like the the whole like i feel like you could really see the carol burnett and the golden girls coming out in a lot of these jokes and a lot of the visual bits of, you know, the poster, the matching hats to the skirts, like all of these things. I think that they were thought out and funny, but unfortunately the ending just did, didn't do it. It, it is two films. And I think that's something that we have landed on and what we can end on is that this is two films. (laughs) so and, so yeah. audience you didn't know we don't like the ending <laughs> um just just to be clear if you haven't caught on we don't like the ending <laughs> the beginning is um, pretty good so uh thanks for thanks for listening watching this movie with us this week you've been listening to d cup dun 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 <laughs> Wait, okay. Wait, wait, wait. I think we should keep it as like us singing it. (laughs) I know. I want to, can we redo that? And I'll be like, thank you all for tuning in. Thank you for listening. We really hope you enjoyed the podcast. Hope you enjoyed watching the movie. Please leave your comments. We would love to hear. And that's all. So for this week, I'm Megan. And I'm Sabrina. And you've been listening to D-Cup. The Disney Channel unoriginal podcast. Dun, 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 dun.